I am happy to bring you episode 30 of Behind the Mic. You can comment, email me, find me on all social media channels at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I know this has been a tough week for everybody, and I'm trying to bring some positive light and bring in this podcast. And hey, this is a time where we can all get together as a group. I know a lot of broadcasters are sharing things. A lot of baseball broadcasters are nominating each other for their favorite highlights of 2019. But, you know, uh, this is adversity time, and it's nice to see how everyone's handling it. Good podcast coming up. I've got two guests for you. Relating to the Portland Sea Dogs, my replacement, Emma Tiedemann, is the new voice of the Sea Dogs. She arrives from Lexington. And I have former Sea Dog and current Paw Sox pitcher, Kyle Hart, who will join me as well. Kyle and I had an excellent conversation before we hit record and while we recorded. And then after, uh, we talked for close to an hour. Kyle's a great guy. He was put on Boston's 40-man roster. But, again, I just want to go back. I know this is a tough time. Uh, one thing I've noticed when you're out and about, try to be a little more patient, be nice, help the elder too. All right. For someone that's in, in their forties, I respect people older. I have parents that are in their seventies. I want them to be healthy during all this. So try to be a little more patient, be nicer. I know it's not easy right now. We're going to grocery stores. They're out of meat. They're out of frozen foods. By the way, I am shocked at how many frozen vegetables are being sold. I, I thought it would be like a baseball press box, vegetables are kryptonite to most media members, but not to the public, so that's good to see. All right, interview number one on Behind the Mic podcast, episode 30, Kyle Hart. Hey, Kyle, how are you holding up? <laughs> well, um, I'm, doing, I'm doing all right. Me and, my, uh, me and my girlfriend are, you know, getting ready to uh, kind of go on a little bit of a lockdown. Um, the Red Sox have advised us to try to be um, you know, just as conscientious as possible as, as to what we're doing on a daily basis. And, um, you know, with baseball being shut down, we're just going to go down, uh, to her parents' house and, and, uh, kind of lay low for a little while. I guess you could call it yeah. a, a self quarantine, but, uh, I'm going to find a way to work out, going to find a way to, you know, try to stay healthy, stay active, but at the same time, just try to be careful. You know, I guess the, I try to be half full in, in times like this. It's a time of year that you don't usually get to see family a lot. Now you're getting a chance to do that. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a really weird feeling being home right now. Um, because you just, after years of doing it, you're in such a routine. Okay. It's the end of March. I need to start finding a place to live at my affiliated clubs, you know, city and, and, uh, it feels so weird being in Cincinnati in, in, in late March. But at the same time, you know, you kind of look around and, and you understand the magnitude of this, the severity of it, and you just kind of appreciate that you are, you know, getting to spend some time with your family and, uh, you know, just can't take it for granted. It's nice to see how proactive, though, everything has gotten. It started with the NBA, but not just in sports, Kyle, but in our country right now, really taking this serious. Right. And I, you know, I'm just, just talking with, with other people. Um, I would say, you know, seven to 10 days ago, you know, even my mind, mindset was different. I think, I think the, you know, my girlfriend probably said it the best, like, why don't we just over prepare? And at the end of the day, if we were too prepared, then we can laugh about it, but we don't want to be, 
you know, we don't want to be underprepared. And I think that, you know, not just the United States, but a lot of these other, other countries have found themselves, you know, pretty, pretty unprepared for, for this situation. And I think for the most part, we're doing a pretty good job of catching up and just trying to do the best we can on the front end to, you know, flatten the curve as, as they say, but, um, there's just no reason not to at least try to slow this thing down for a while. Um, and if it works, it works. If not, then at least we can say that we, you know, we, we as a society gave, gave it our best. You know, I agree with you. I felt the same way about a week ago. And then, you know, this being in baseball, there's a lot of numbers out there. And then the statistics coming out was, well, we people die more of the regular flu and all that. But this was something we didn't know of. So this is where I really stick with the medical people and, and kind of throw out statistics. Well, I would say that at the end at the end of all this, the flu will probably still be as a whole more deadly, but 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 the rate at which this is kind of sweeping through and um, just flooding and overwhelming um, the you know the medical system is not is not you know any resemblance of, of the flu. So yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right. It's just it's the unknown, you know, especially for. Um, especially for you know the 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 the, med- the medical world, who they really do have a grasp on on a lot of things. They they understand. Oh, you're this old. You have these symptoms. Like this is what's going to work for you. But when you fire off something like like the coronavirus, where there's so many factors that are unaccounted for, that's what really um, that's what really scares people. And I think that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, where were you at when you kind of found out you were going home? I mean, were you in the clubhouse anywhere? Were you home? Well, this is actually this is actually pretty crazy. But uh, um, i i got uh, I got food poisoning like like I don't know ten days ago. Hmm. Um, Yeah, it would have been about ten days ago. And I was sitting there going, "Okay, I'm sick." You know, could this be the virus? But I didn't have any of the symptoms and it was only like an eight to 10 hour thing. But with the timing of my food poisoning, they told me not to come to the field at all. And mm. I was like, okay, I completely understand. I was pretty fatigued anyway and trying to rehydrate. Um, and so I spent the days leading up to, you know, the sports shutdown, as if you will, at home already basically self quarantining because they were like freaking out. Um, you know, that I may, you know, may be sick, but so I wasn't even at the field, you know, those last four, you know, four days of, of, uh, you know, baseball being in session. So I was getting all my updates, you know, on my phone and stuff. Um, but when, but, but then I found out that all the minor leaguers had been sent home. And the only reason I was even still in Florida was because I was on the 40 man roster and they were trying to, determine kind of as a group what most people were doing um you know and then ultimately uh on uh you know on sunday and and monday we started to find out like hey probably going home for the time being is the best option if you have that option um and so that's when that's when i just kind of packed it up and you know you're 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 never too far as a baseball player from being able to get packed up and get on the road you know and so that's kind of one of the nice things about a situation like this 
coming about is we're pretty mobile uh, as a group. Yeah, that ability to adjust. Uh, by the way, I want to congratulate you, too, on getting uh, put on the 40-man roster. That was well-deserved. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate it. I, 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 you know, not getting to, to put it to good use right now, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm in the same boat that pretty much everyone is, so I'm not going to complain. But um, I'm excited if if we uh, ever get back into the, into, into the baseball season of, you know, just the, the – uh, is a promise of, of maybe getting that, that opportunity in the big leagues. Yeah, you know, I, I, I remember Bob Kipper really taught me something years ago that I've really stuck with it, um, adversity. And he just said that is really what makes or breaks people. And I never really thought about it until he really pointed it out to me and he said you can apply it into so many different things. And it, it's really stuck with me to today that – it kind of feels like one of those times. Yeah, doesn't it? Because when we get this back, you know, we're going to really be appreciative of what we have. I mean, I feel like you are anyways, and a lot of us are, but this really does put things in perspective. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's crazy how quickly, you know, how quickly some, you know, things can be taken away from you. You, you know, it's just something you never would think to, you know, to be removed from your life. But at this point, it's like, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you know what, what the things you need to be thankful for are now, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that I have running water. I'm glad that I have food in, in my fridge. You know, I'm glad that, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, have parents, if, if something were to happen or I couldn't pay the rent, I could go stay with my parents. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that I have in a time like this that a lot of people don't have. Um, so, you know, baseball is something that, in a sense, I feel like I, I took for granted a little bit because I just never thought something like this could happen. But um, definitely not going to take the, the other things, you know, for granted at this time. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was thinking the same thing uh, with the food and everything. And I'm now closer to my parents and they're older. So, of course, I worry because the, the virus uh, for older people is not good. But it's uh, is it, it's intriguing how quickly we can start appreciating things in a time like this as well, and, and those things you said are, are huge right now. Having a, a, I have a plastic bottle right here filled with water, Kyle. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is, and, and I, I think the the one thing that kind of gives that that you know you can kind of lean on for a little bit of reassurance is that you know we were talking about it. It's just that everyone is in this together. You yeah. Know? I mean, if everybody does their part. We have a good chance of coming out of this, um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good in a good spot, you know, maybe in better better off than we were before. Who knows? You know, I certainly think a lot of people are going to have a redefined uh, appreciation for not only, um, you know, just having food and water and, and, and a place to stay, but just, you know, having the luxury of playing baseball, whether you're in low A or uh, – you know, AAA or the big leagues or whatever, just being able to show up to the park every day when, when some, when sometimes throughout the course of the year, it gets monotonous. You're like, I don't want to go to the field today. You know, well, yeah, I would take that one of those days right now because your worst day at the park is, is better than your best day in quarantine. You can quote me on that. Yeah. The, and I think the fans uh, feel the same way. And, and yeah, I can imagine what it's going to be like for them when we have the game back. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's something that feels like it's far off right now because there's just so many bigger things.
things that people are worried about it, it, it just in regards to, um, you know, societal needs. But, but ultimately when, when we start to kind of get to the bottom of this and, 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 and things start getting back to normal, I think sports in general are just going to be such a, such a treat for people. And they're, and they're, they're going to have the same mindset that, that we have like, man, two months ago, this, this was, you know, that, those were tough times. And, and I think people will really, really enjoy um, experiencing the, the game and interacting with other fans and the players just, just in general. So uh, I'm looking forward to that moment, not just for myself, but just for everybody. I mean, everyone in the front office, everyone that has a job at the park or, you know, um, or wants to come to a game, just, just the entire experience of it is uh, so impactful for so many people. Last year for you, you started off in Portland, uh, put up really good numbers, and then got a chance for the first time to go up to Pawtucket. And Kyle thought you had an excellent year. I got to see you pitch a couple times, which was nice. And I think that that was probably something that you really felt good about going in the off season. Yeah, I mean, um, I really enjoyed my time in Portland. I think that was, you know, that's such. It's been a, such a good league um, for the last couple of years when I was there that. Um, when, when I got up to Paul Tuckett, it was, you know, the competition level wasn't that different. I think that's just kind of a, a testament to the Eastern League. Um, but, you know, really the only thing that changed was I think the strike zone resembled the big league strike zone a little bit more. Um, and then the baseballs, obviously, you know, you're using Pro B1s now in AAA. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 felt, I felt like I, I did some things right. Um, last year, and I felt like there's some things that you know I, I was kind of geared toward uh, improving upon this season. Hopefully, still can. Um, but um, and then obviously going into big league camp uh, for a few weeks this year was you know pretty eye opening um, for me just to see how things are done each and every day. And it's not that much different than you know anything that I've. Um, grown accustomed to, but just the consistency of it all and the level at which things are executed up there um, made me realize, you know, what kind of what it takes. Yeah, and and then to be sent down to minor league camp, which you know is a bummer, but at the same time, you you realize how the process works, um, and you're just trying to take those habits and things you learned from big league camp, you know, into minor league camp. Obviously I didn't get to deploy those because we got put off, but, um, that was, that was probably one of the better baseball experiences I've had in my lifetime is just, just soaking up big league camp, getting to throw a few outings over there and, and, uh, learning from all those guys. I want to stick with that big league camp because I like that you brought that up. So what are some of the things that you're talking about that, really stood out for you is it the work ethic that those guys put in in a day in day out you know the work ethic is certainly outstanding i think you know i think all all the guys that i've seen that operate at a high level and certainly triple a and some in double a already have a good work ethic you know i I don't if we're talking about work ethic at, at at this point you know then there's a problem yeah it certainly is a problem for some guys but I think it's honestly, it's just the talent. The talent is so darn incredible across the board. I mean, everyone brings something to the table, and then you obviously have the guys 
you know, that you see along the way that bring a lot to the table. Um, you know, your, your, your Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, those, those types of position players. And, and obviously there's some, some just insane pitching in our organization, but, um, yeah, I think for me it's it's the talent, but then you combine it with with the work ethic, with the routine, and then on top of that, the technology, which has become such a big part, not only itself, but the people that are learning really how to use it at a high level. Um, that's when it kind of gets scary, you know what I mean? That's when it's like, holy cow, what what else could these guys possibly do to get better? You know, yeah. they're they're not leaving any stone unturned. And so you go back to your locker at the end of the day and you kind of look at yourself and you go, am, am I leaving stones unturned? You know, am I doing everything I need to be doing? And it's, it's, uh, that, that's the eye, the eye opening piece is you thought you were prepared. You thought you were working hard. You thought you, you were talented. You get up there and it's, it, you know, you, you have to, you have to kind of let that, you have to let, big league camp kind of strip down your confidence a little bit so that it can be rebuilt. That's a good point. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because everyone wants you to be confident. Everybody wants you to be comfortable. They tell you that from day one, but they also know that those things are almost impossible to, to accomplish from the start. You know, you kind of have to take your beatings and, and, and learn some different things in some different ways before you can start to, to, to kind of rebuild it. Uh, and I think seeing some of the things that those guys do. So to your point, last year in the backfields, J.D. Martinez is playing in minor league games with Mookie and Christian Vasquez, and the three of them are shooting each other on the iPad in minor league at-bats. And I'm saying to myself, what, J.D. is very serious about what he does. He's shooting his minor league at-bats in spring training. All three of those guys are doing that, and it, and that made me think, wow, I mean, they are extremely dedicated. And even in the minor league game that didn't count, they didn't care one bit. Right, yeah, I mean, because because they're so in tune with, and this is all it is, is they're so in tune with what they need to do to be great Yep. that it doesn't matter the setting, you know what I mean? Like, they'll do the same thing off of T-work at 7 in the morning. Like, there's no... There's no boundaries for them, you know. They just they, they execute their routine. They execute what they what they think they need to do to get better, and that's that's it. You know what I mean? It could be Game Six of the World Series. It doesn't you know it doesn't matter. They're mm-hmm. still trying to get better. So, and you you got to appreciate it. You have to respect it, um, and you kind of have to, in a way, you kind of have to let it um, reshape what you're doing a little bit because especially some of these hitters, you can't let them be more prepared than you, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the bottom line. And you, you know, you have to trust who you are. You have to trust what you, you did to get you there, but you, you got to implement some, some different things along the way and use some of those resources, uh, that they have up there because otherwise you will fall behind unless you're just a, an absolute, uh, you know, once in a generational talent, Everyone else has got to try to keep up. We, we always hear about pitchers talking to other pitchers or having a pitching coach and different advisors helping them. But but can't a good hitter on your team help a pitcher like yourself? Right. No, yeah. It, it goes both ways. I mean, 
there's there's endless conversations in spring training. Um, if if I like for example, um, I faced uh, who did I face? I faced like Dahlbeck, Tommy Joseph. Um, uh, who else? Um, one other guy, I think. Oh, oh, Rodani Baldwin, um, and, and some live, and some live ABs, you know, where everyone's kind of just, I would say we're working at like 80, 90%, you know, they're tracking pitches They're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to execute some different stuff and there is just, it's just constant conversation. Hey, your two team is better when you throw it here instead of there. Oh, that's, or, yeah, that's cool. Or, you know, or, Hey, I can see that pitch really well. Um, or like Dahlbeck, Dahlbeck hit a curveball off, off of me in, in, in a live AB for a home run. And he was like, hey, that, that pitch has good shape to it, but throw it to this part of the plate. So there, hmm. and, and then all at the same time, like, you know, I try not to give hitters advice, not because, not because I don't see things, but because most of them don't want advice from pitchers, and that's fine. You know, at the end of the day, they they're they're working so hard at their craft, and I'm so out of touch with the swing itself. But I will give them advice, like, "Hey, I can see. I, I don't know if you're trying to do this, but your front foot's kind of is you know opening up when you stride, or hey, your hands are really high. There, you know, are you trying to do these things? And sometimes they'll say, "Yeah, I am. I do that on purpose," or they'll say, "No, thanks for showing me that." So. You know, I kind of have to be a little bit more uh, careful when I'm talking to them about their swing. Whereas, it's easy for them to see my pitches. They're gonna, they have no reason to say, "Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a bad pitch. Don't throw that." You yeah, know? yeah. Like, they're always gonna be honest with you, but um, I'm usually a little more tentative giving them thoughts. Yeah, I, I love this part of the game because these are the things that people don't realize that go on, and and just the the inner talks of of what you guys do. I mean, and, and I think the best part of baseball is that you never stop learning. There's never a, a place. If you're 80 years old in the game, you're always going to learn something. Right. That, I think the, the, the older I get and the, the more that I pitch, I, it's like the less that I know, which is crazy, but that's what it seems like, you yeah. know, and I, and, and I'm sure it'll be that way pretty much till the end of, my days, but, um, you know, there's just, and the thing is the game is so cyclical too, you know, in 10 years, we might not have any analytics, you know, who knows? We could, we could have no, you know, we could get so wrapped up in all this technology that it could just be like, all right, let's get rid of the tech. Like what if, what if the league mandates no more technology, especially with some of the stuff going on, they could easily do that. Yeah. You know? So, so, you never really know, you know, what the state of baseball is going to be. Um, I, I obviously, I think pitchers in general prefer just kind of that pure state. Can't watch at bats. Can't do anything. Like I think, I think hitters stand to gain a little bit more um, with the technology. But like I said, this game is just always changing, always evolving. You know, I think. Right now, it favors the hard throwers. In ten years, it might favor, you know, it might favor guys that throw eighty-five. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, who knows? 
who, who really knows? So maybe they move the fences back 10 feet and now the game favors guys that can bunt and put the bat on the ball. Like he, there's no real way to predict it. Um, you know, that's why just trying to learn each and every day and pick things up from, from different guys is all you can do. Well, yeah, and, you know, that makes a thousand percent uh, sense because we can go back in time and look at the game and say, geez, there was a dead ball era where walks counted as hits. So there's been some crazy things that have happened. But also, though, to stand the test of time, though, Kyle, has been left-handed pitchers, and you're fortunate to be one. So maybe you're, you're kind of time-proof in this game. Well, I would, I would, I would like to agree with you. I, I, you know, and I think that's, you know, not just for me, but everyone's just always trying to figure out what can I do to give myself value, you know? And I think I, you know, for guys like for guys that have historically done something really well, and then you get, you get to that level where you're right out there at the big leagues and you look up and well, well, this guy's already really good at second base. You're not going to play second base. Hmm. So you start looking around like, well, I got to improve my outfield game, or I have to, I have to, you know, maybe, maybe I start catching some bullpen so I could be the third catcher. You know, like there's, there's guys that are doing this on a daily basis and just trying to constantly sharpen and improve all of their skills to give themselves the most value for a team because. If you have value and you have it in a couple of different areas, you make it a lot easier on a team to to employ you, quite frankly, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a time that not that long ago when at our level in AA, I would see guys weren't playing a lot of different positions. And I always thought, well, geez, if there's someone blocking this guy, shouldn't he learn how to play somewhere else just to make more value? And then I think everyone, you know, it wasn't that obvious. I think it was pretty obvious. And then... Brock Holt kind of pops up, and he's playing everywhere. Now, you look at all the bench guys in the big leagues and in the minors. I mean, they're playing all over the place. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The utility position in in baseball is it's a highly sought position, and it's really hard to do. You know, because it, you're expected if you consider utility guy, then you're expected to be serviceable and, and more than serviceable at a lot of positions. So it's not like Oh, so and so is playing left today. That's weird. Haven't seen him out there. Yeah, like that doesn't matter. You know, like that's what he's getting paid to do is be good at left and handle left that day. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's 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 crazy because there's only so much flexibility in this job, and you have to do so many so many things well. Um, and if you don't, there's probably someone if not in your minor league system, in another minor league system that could fill your role. Um, and that's kind of just the gross nature of the, of, of the beast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's the entertainment world, right? <laughs> right. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Not even just baseball. You're right. You know, I, I think of things a lot with you guys, just being closer to you guys and rooting for everyone to do well. I mean, I want everybody that I see play to, to get to the big leagues. I know that's not realistic, but, now with Heim Bloom running the Red Sox and the chance of an opener in Boston, that's going to lead to some things that are going to happen in Pawtucket. So that could be beneficial to yourself and to a lot of guys. You know, it is. It is. Um, 
so far just kind of un- unclear to me what, what's going to unfold in, 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 in that sense. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to do everything I can to put myself in a position to be considered for whatever role that, you know, they need from yeah. me. So, um, I would, I would pitch, you know, a thousand first innings to be a big leader. You know, like, I don't care if that's, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I think, you know, right now my strength is as a starter. I think, you know, I can go out and give 90, 95, a hundred pitches every five days pretty reliably. Um, but at the same time, I would rather go up to the big leagues and throw, you know, one inning or two innings or whatever it is, than then, you know, throw seven innings in, in AAA just because, oh, that's what I'm better at. You know, I, I don't yeah. care about that. But, um, like I said, you know, I, I, it's, it was really unique to watch what Heim was doing in, in Tampa and, um, and and to see the success that he had was, was, was really cool because, you know, a lot of people were questioning it and uh, he stuck with it and it, it proved to be successful. So, you know, I'm hoping for something like that to happen here, whatever, you know, whatever they decide to do. I just hope that it's it's successful like like he was in uh, in Tampa. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I would I would do that if I was in your shoes as well. I, I want to ask you a question that's kind of off the wall. It's not baseball yeah. related. What did you think? I live off the wall. <laughs> what did you think of Tom Brady? Man, you know, Tom is he's a he's such a professional. So. For me, when I see something like this happen, I just I know behind the scenes how methodically he's thought this out. Yeah, you know. And at the end of the day, he's doing what is best for his family and for his career. And whether whether people think that or not, that's what's happening. Um, and so, even if you know Tom Brady is only doing this because, you know, he can make, you know, what if he, he could be behind closed doors saying, you know, I, I just want to go make another 20 or 30 million and, and call it a career. Who cares? Exactly. He's totally earned the right to do that. You know, he's won what, six or four or six championships. Six. How many has he won? It's six. He's been to nine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So who cares what he wants to do now? And now for all we know, and knowing the competitor that he is, he may be, going down there and trying to kind of construct a little super team like, like, like some of these NBA guys have. So, and like some, you know, like some, some MLB teams are trying to do. So, I mean, I really just, I really think that the move was, was not totally his choice to have to leave. You know, I think it was kind of a group decision, but, but also I think it's, it's, it's well-intentioned. You know, I don't think there's anything other than, he's going to try his best and, and, and make a little bit of money before his career is done. So I don't see what people can even say about that, you know? Yeah. I, you know, my feeling is, is that I've watched football for a long time and I can see a team have three different quarterbacks in three weeks to have one quarterback for that long. And that success when no one else has done it, I think you, you should just say thank you and let yeah. Let him yeah. go on, yeah, right? He can do whatever the hell he wants. If yeah. he wants to go try to play, you know, on the PGA Tour, like, he can literally do whatever he wants. 
no one can really say anything. That's what that's what that many years of greatness and winning and championships buys you. It buys you respect, and it's a shame that a lot of people don't realize that. But you know, it's it's he's winding down, and just let 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 him be happy and let him if 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 him being happy is going to sign with. Um, the Bucks. Well, maybe for all we know, maybe that's you know one of three or four teams that have offered. Like maybe that's the best situation for him to play out his the rest of his career. You know, so I don't know. I, I'm just wishing him luck, and I just hope people continue to respect him as they should. Thank you, Kyle. That was great. That was excellent, Kyle Hart. Uh, I love the deep thinking by Kyle. Great job there and great insight not only on the baseball world but what's going on in the world. I really enjoyed his perspective. All right, let's go from the mound to the broadcast booth and new voice of the Portland Sea Dogs, Emma Tiedemann. All right, Emma, uh, welcome to the Portland Sea Dogs. What is your impression of Maine so far? Well, uh, I, you know, it's sunny right now, gorgeous <laughs> weather, um, just no baseball. <laughs> so a little bit different than what I expected. Yeah, a little, little bit weird. Can, first of all, congratulations. I, I know, you know, for both of us, not an easy decision, but for you, um, success in Lexington for two years and, and making the jump to, which I've told you in the past, a great organization. So congratulations to you. Thank you, thank you. I'm so excited for it, and and also congratulations to you with Pawtucket. <laughs> yeah, I pre- yeah. It you know I was telling somebody about this. I think the great thing about for both of us moving and for anybody, it it's going to create opportunities now in in Lexington. It created one for you, but you know the trickle down effect is good for for our peers because as you and I know, it's not easy to move up. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it, it's putting some people in places now. I know that my uh, successor in Lexington, he's you know new to the to minor league baseball, but he has that opportunity now to to kind of run with it. And um, yeah, the trickle down effect is is very beneficial to those to those up and coming broadcasters. I want to talk a little bit about Lexington because I have really marveled at the South Atlantic League in terms of uh, the ballparks. I mean, I, I went to Greenville before. I've read about Lexington. I've seen their ballpark online, but things have dramatically changed in the last 20 years in terms of facilities. And that's a low A level, but there are some unbelievable ballparks in that league, including Lexington. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lexington's ballpark is 20 years old. This is going to be their 20th season. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely some things that you're like, okay, that was probably a little bit original with the stadium, but uh, the ownership does a fantastic job of giving the ballpark upgrades as it see fit as it sees fit so it's player upgrades and and things that the fans can see as well but um lexington's ballpark is so great you walk out it's a very intimate um kind of setup but also can hold you know six or seven thousand you know fans at one time and um so the atmosphere is fantastic and and the city really loves baseball also yeah back-to-back south atlantic league championships what was that like that was surreal and unexpected i you know, fully expect to never call like a World Series game or anything like that. I think I got rid of all of my good mojo in Lexington, <laughs> um, but it was it was amazing. I you know, 2018 uh, we had a majority of the top prospects in the Royals system, and so we knew that we were good from the hop. And um, they made a fantastic push at the end of the second uh, second half to clinch that spot, and um, so we were pretty confident about it. And then in 2019. It was 
totally different. We had an older crop of players. We had one or two top prospects, but the pitching was outstanding. And uh, we clinched the first half, which, you know, if you know minor league baseball, clinching that first half can be tough when the playoffs roll around, you know, three months later. Um, but, you know, they had some late inning th- theatrics throughout the playoffs, and we won on a walk-off hit, wow. walk-off home run, bottom of the 13th inning on Friday the 13th to win it 3-1. to one. So, I mean, that's just baseball magic right there. I, I always said that Hollywood could not write scripts the way baseball does. It, it's really incredible, isn't it? It is. I mean, and it, that was one of those moments where – you're sitting back and realizing, oh my gosh, like this is all coming to fruition of these weird little 13 isms and one and three. <laughs> and then you have to have a walk off. I mean, it was, oh, you're right. It was a Hollywood moment. It was incredible. You know, in addition to baseball, you see you've done uh, Moorhead State University basketball too, women's basketball. So able to, to keep your hands in both baseball and basketball, which for broadcasters, it's great to have some off season work. Yeah, I was very fortunate to, to kind of fall into the Moorhead State opening um, and, you know, be able to call minor league baseball and then Division One women's basketball. And, uh, Moorhead State's program has been fantastic. They had, you know, one of their best years in program history in 2018 and, um, you know, got a big win over Ohio State, and, you know, big program. So it was it was great to, to kind of keep your broadcasting chops going throughout the offseason. And so that first came back whenever baseball rolls around and isn't, as rocky as some. The process of the Portland Sea Dogs job, how did they, how'd you even see that at first? Did you see it through the Teamworks website? Yeah, I, uh, I actually got a text message from a friend, uh, you know, broadcasting friend of mine late at night and asking, you know, oh, are you going to go for the Portland job? And I said, oh, I haven't even seen anything about it um, yet. He said, oh, it's on Teamwork. And um, so I, I did see it on Teamwork and I applied and, uh, and then, Jeff reached out the next day and we kind of went from there. And it was really quick. You were able to come up and see Maine. I, I know you had not seen it before. Your impressions of it, I know you, you really liked it. I think it's a very charming area. It really is. Yeah. You know, it's a part of the country that I haven't ever been able to experience. And to kind of see history here in the Northeast is really special, I think, because, you know, we have our history in Texas, but not like, you know, American history in this part of the country. So I thought that was really special and, you know, able to grab a bite to eat and have some lobster right on the water. And huh. of course, it was a beautifully sunny day. And so it was just it was just perfect. I just fell in love with the place. And your background, too. I know you've worked for St. Paul, uh, one of the, the model independent league teams. I remember back in the day they had so many big leaguers that would go there. What was that experience like? I mean, it was a lot of fun. You know, their whole motto uh, that they live by is fun is good. And, and that definitely extends into their front office and, and kind of their just daily attitude. Um, so that was really cool to kind of see how they can be so successful but not have an affiliation with any major league club, which is very, very difficult uh, for for other independent teams in the country, but they have sellout crowds every day of the week um, just based on their fun promotions and just how they kind of integrate that through all aspects of the game and then everywhere around the ballpark, whether it's, you know, a nun giving massages or you can get, you know, haircuts out in uh, left field and um, and they have their usher tainers. And I mean, it's just, just so much fun and just such great energy that um, it made going to the ballpark just incredible every day. Well, Emma, make sure Slugger gives you a massage because he's pretty good at that. So that will be one of his tasks for 2020. 
You know, I I know this is a weird time right now with the coronavirus and everything, but I try to be half full. I think when we have baseball again, we're probably going to see some record crowds in minor league baseball. You know, it's it's a whole you never know what you have until it's gone. And uh, I, I think it's going to be absolutely booming that the first couple of days. I mean, maybe not the first couple of days. I think for, for all of the season, it's going to be crazy. I agree because – if you think about it, we're all cooped up in our houses and, you know, I don't have kids, so I'm not being driven crazy by, you know, kids running around and trying to homeschool. And I think that, you know, once we're allowed out of our homes again and we can actually have some sort of normalcy, I think everyone's going to want to go to the ballpark, get outside, go out with the family and just kind of rally around something around your hometown. I mean, I agree. I think we're going to have tremendous crowds. This is true baseball symbolism from coaches. They always talk about adversity. So this is real-life adversity right now, and, and, you know, how do we handle it? And I think that just through the, the Twitter community and, and looking what Major League Baseball has done, and I feel like everyone's kind of hand-in-hand and, and trying to get through this with a positive because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling as well, and I think that baseball and, and just anybody on Twitter that's related to baseball in it can give people some relief. I agree. I think that the baseball community is, it's, they're just so kind to each other. Um, and we lift each other up a lot of times as well. So, you know, major league baseball teams giving a million dollars to their stadium workers and that kind of stuff. I think that we kind of recognize that there are holes in our community that need some help. And I, it's awesome to see, you know, how we can fill those holes and, and help each other out as well. And, um, so I think baseball definitely is, is helping each other out and Twitter and social media has been great for that. I wanted to ask you about your grandfather because I know he's had uh, a really huge influence on you, hasn't he? He has. I mean, he he got me in this business. <laughs> yeah, and I know you told me that story. So he actually put you on his lap, right, and said, here you go? <laughs> uh, yeah, just by by his side, uh, he was calling a Division III uh, women's basketball game, and his partner uh, couldn't come to the game, and he had an extra headset, and I was there. Um, just to keep score, I, um, you know, helped him kind of keep tabs of rebounds and, and uh, baskets and stuff. And he said, well, you know the game, you know, put on the headset, talk if you want to. You don't have to, but, you know, talk about what you see. And, and he said that I talked the whole time, um, and I just loved it. I fell in love with the action and, and having to think on your feet and, yeah. um, you know, having to come up with unique vocabulary words because you don't want to say the, the same thing over and over again and um, different things like that. Yeah, Bill Mercer, for people that want to Google, uh, I told you this, and you're going to talk with some people in our in the Sea Dogs office about his wrestling background, and that, what, I mean, I think you forget in, in that business how good broadcasters are, because you have to still be a broadcaster, even though it's it's not a real sport, it is sports entertainment, but there is still a way that you have to convey messages, and those guys are legends, and uh, your grandfather was so good at what he did. Yeah, it's, it's so funny to look back and, and see just how ridiculous those shows were and how funny they were looking back, knowing it was technically all fake, but just how seriously he took it. <laughs> um, and, I mean, he laughs still to this day about the different stories with wrestling and everything. Um, but I think that's, you know, where my love of, of broadcasting kind of started because, you know, you don't have to go the traditional baseball route if you don't want to. You can have fun with it. And, and now through social media and different video outlets, you know, we can't have fun 
within baseball and doing stuff like that too. Um, so I, I definitely kind of found my love of broadcasting starting back when he was telling us those stories. Yeah. yeah. T- tell us about Dallas. You know, I think um, Texas, when you, when you look at it from the outside, to me, it, it always looked like such a close knit family oriented state. I've never been to Dallas, but there's, there's a lot of history there with the Cowboys, of course, and high school football is huge there, but <laughs> You know, Texas has always intrigued me from an outsider. Well, I mean, the number one thing is that Texans are a very proud people. Um, And that stems from, you know, our required Texas history classes we have to take in junior high. But, um, you know, I I agree. I think it is a very family-oriented state. Um, We do take family very seriously. And so um, I was fortunate to live, you know, two minutes away from my grandparents. And um, so I was you know, able to be very close to them. And, you know, my grandfather would take me to basketball camps and, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we had that aspect. And then, like you said, Friday night football was absolutely king. So, you know, you have that growing up and then you watch the Cowboys. And of course, my grandfather was with the Cowboys for a time and and called the high school. And um, so I heard stories of the Cowboys growing up and then you have the Rangers. And um, so it is a very, really fun state to grow up in surrounded by professional sports and um you know with with big southern families and, and some good food too <laughs> yeah so like the, so the varsity blues movie that's kind of texas right i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> more like friday night lights <laughs> yeah so i i saw that conference that uh, lexington hosted with the, the women in baseball and and it's nice that Kristen carback who is with Reading will be somebody that, you know, you've already got to know and, and you were there with her and she's in Reading. So you guys will get a chance to see each other a few times during the baseball season. Yeah. I've known Kirsten for a couple of years now um, because for a little bit, it was just the two of us uh, for, you know, representing females broadcasting minor league baseball. And, and for a, a long while, it was just her uh, down at Clearwater. So I've known her for a couple of years and, and it's always so encouraging to see, you know, other broadcasters like Jill Guerin and, and Mara Sheridan also kind of coming up behind us and, and to be able to meet the other girls. Like I hadn't ever met Jill or Mara before and to kind of talk and commiserate with them was, was absolutely priceless. Yeah, I bet. So are you getting used to the, the, um, the extra media that you'll have? I'm sure you'll have some in Portland, Maine. Yeah, I am. I am. It is still a little bit of a learning curve, um, but I'm getting used to it. Yeah, it's interesting. As um, the media relations director, you'll get requests for yourself. So, I mean, you could just say yes or no, do whatever you want. Right. Yeah, I kind of learned that in Lexington uh, when we announced that I was going to be down there in 2018. Um, I got a good taste of it, and it was um, overwhelming to say the least, but now, you know, it's cool to have that power to say no. What are your impressions on the Red Sox system now? I mean, I know you haven't really been in it for, obviously, you just, you started, but what has been your perception of it from an outsider? Uh, Well, obviously, it's one of the most storied franchises in baseball history, (laughs) Um, but I've I've gotten to have a little bit of a taste of it with the Greenville Drive being in the South Atlantic League, Um, so I've seen those, uh, you know, those players come through Lexington the last couple of years, and um, I definitely think that there's some good prospects on the horizon and, and they could have a good farm system. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to, I had this question, like, what's your style of, of a broadcast? You know, for me, I love the game. You know, I love learning more about the game. I like to have fun on the air. Do you have any particular style that you have or is it just something you're, you're still kind of learning? Um, well, I, I agree. I like to have some fun on the air. I don't like to be 
too straight laced, but um, my grandfather would not be happy if I wasn't professional yeah. on the air either. So uh, I like to, to really focus on the play by play and make sure that I can get across a very clear picture of what's going on, not only on the field, but, you know, kind of the atmosphere of the ballpark as well. And then um, have some fun with it, tell some stories and um, just kind of pass the time. That's great. I, I really like that. Um, well, I appreciate you doing this. This podcast will, uh, it lives forever. So people will be able to hear this. And, you know, the, the cool thing is, is that when I met you and then you left, I said, well, we'll still be in touch because we'll still be in the same system and we'll have guys that will be going back and forth. It'll be fun working with you in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening to episode 30 of Behind the Mic Podcast. You can email me, antonellis.michael at gmail.com. Find Behind the Mic on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hope you enjoyed our two guests, Kyle Hart and Matiaman. Outstanding. Stay safe, and as always, peace and love. Out,